0: To me, innovation is the ability to either create something out of nothing or take something already existing and make it better.
1: When I think of innovation, I think of being the first to market with something. But how do we now always stay a step ahead? Because, you know, at some point, I'm going to run out of ideas
2: innovation has been used so much but innovation as an entrepreneur that's part of what you do i mean that's it's like how how important are your lungs to breathing
3: hello everybody i'm kelly martin and you're listening to making it work made possible by fedex in this series we pick the brains of some of america's smartest small business owners and like always they want to give it to you straight as you know a new episode needs a new topic and this time around we're talking about innovation with the help of four entrepreneurs who all have a different take on the subject, we discuss whether innovation is a choice and what it means to them. So do you have to change the world and find your inner Elon? Or is innovation a whole lot simpler than we all thought? Asking the questions is Tom Scallon.
4: I was going to start off this intro with an inspiring quote about innovation, but I decided against it for a couple of reasons. One, it's not very innovative. And two, the people that come up with these awesome quotes were innovative. So reducing Marie Curie, Albert Einstein, or George Washington Carver's achievements down to a soundbite seems to be a little superficial. So I'll start the intro this way instead. Nick Hawkes, Casey Kelly, Paul Pallas, and Kat Samaggia are innovators. That's not even a conclusion I've drawn. That's what they say about themselves. And while all their definitions of innovation differ slightly, the thing they agree on is that it's more about gradual improvement than it is about being the next Elon Musk. I think you knew that name would come up eventually. Another name that's bound to come up in a Making It Work episode all about innovation is Kat Samargia. She's never designed an electric car, but she did invent a nifty wrist wallet. Her Chicago-based company Locker Lifestyle started life in 2016, and she's been innovating ever since. Bit by bit... And as long as it doesn't affect how her customers view her brand.
0: To me, innovation is the ability to either create something out of nothing to be innovative or take something already existing and make it better. I think that we're innovating, creating innovative products, but also innovating on our own products. So when we get feedback from customers, when we're working on certain aspects, or if we hear something We're able to evolve and innovate by altering what we have to just constantly be better.
4: I guess you started Locker Lifestyle with one product, right? Is the idea of constantly innovating and perhaps inventing new products quite intimidating?
0: Absolutely. It's almost, to me though, that's also a very fun part because it can be scary. Like you said, we started with one product and then it worked out really well because people also felt that same pain point and resonated with that. So each time you bring a product to the marketplace, you really have no idea if how people are going to react, if they're going to like it, how much it's going to cost you, that there's a lot of different things that go into that. So it can be absolutely intimidating. But also, that's the exciting part. Because when you're building in terms of product breadth, that's how your business scales, because people take to one product, they're going to want to be a part of that other, they're going to gift it to others. And then you're building this brand is in, okay, what do these products mean? What do they all go back to? For us, it was that feeling of hands-free freedom. You want to feel confident where, what you're doing, where you're going. And so it's been exciting to add, you know, our pocket headband and this neck gaiter to the product line. And people took to that as well, because they understood the quality of Of product and construction that we started with the wrist locker and we haven't changed much of it and so that's why it was so much easier for people to want and trust in us to get these new products as well.
4: All of your products seem to be part of the same family that they're all different but they're solving the same problem. What would be the risk in coming up with something completely different and pivoting under the same brand name?
0: That's a really you draw a fine line in terms of what the brand does, as long as it goes back to, we want people to feel the same way when they're using our products, whether or not we actually sell accessories, as long as it goes back to our mission and values of feeling confident about what you're doing, about where you're going, and feeling empowered and having that freedom, we really could create any product because these products are a vessel for people to be able to have those kinds of emotions and feelings of empowerment. So for us, if we really did think of something that seemed totally opposite of the current products that we have, that would be okay because it resonates with the values and the missions of what we started with.
4: Have you ever been close to launching a product that's completely different to your current range?
0: No, we, we haven't done something completely off the wall. It really started with, oh my gosh, a lot of women's you know, outfits don't even have pockets and storage was such an issue that all of our products are this wearable accessory to do that. I've created products and I've gotten patents on products that I never put put, even put into the marketplace yet, just because I've still been either tweaking or fixing or or manipulating and and kind of trying to go and match with, with the times of what we're doing. Like I focused on our more COVID related products and reactions versus this other one that you know, we were thinking of for dogs and stuff. And so it's a lot of the environment as well. But in terms of something that's completely different, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> and yet it's the keyword.
4: Are you ever worried that you'll run out of ideas?
0: I am never worried that I will run out of ideas because I have so many problems all the time. And I have this little notebook that, and also I sleep with post-it notes next to my bed because sometimes I just wake up in the middle of the night and I just need to write my ideas down. So I'm more of that person, like within my own business, even though I have to manage a lot of the different aspects, one of my favorite parts is being able to create new products, innovate through them, uh, make them better. So that's not something that's really ever crossed my mind because it is one of my most favorite parts.
4: Why is innovation so important? It, it, it feels to me like people didn't used to innovate as, as much. Is it a kind of modern phenomenon or is that in my mind?
0: I wouldn't use the word innovation as something new. I think it's brought more to light and has traveled faster because of social media and the way we can communicate now. I think society as a whole has always had to change the way they do things, work within their environment in order to not only survive, but to make life easier and more affordable. So I think it's become more mainstream just due to the way that information travels so fast now. I think it's important for people to realize that you may have this idea and that product and you think it's innovative and you like it, but if it doesn't start to take off right away, you can't be discouraged by that. People think or want some sort of one-hit wonder, but it takes time for to educate people, help them understand and build brand equity for it to start being able to make you money or seem like it's worthwhile. So having faith in that yourself and not always responding to no or accepting no or that, you know, some people may not like what you're doing, and then that's okay.
4: Kat is under no illusion about the problem Locker lifestyle is trying to solve. Sure. Another product may one day replace her best-selling wrist wallets, but it will always be done in a way that's true to her brand. But just because you're a single product company doesn't mean you're not looking for that next big hit. Take Casey Kelly, CEO and co-founder of Florida-based Blended Designs. Their product is bags, but also an idea. She started the company when her eight-year-old son wanted a backpack with a character on it that looked like him. There weren't any which led Casey to discover that only 2% of backpacks with characters on them included children of colour. Seven years down the line, Blended Design sells everything from Crocs to laptop sleeves, all featuring people of colour. What will be her next bestseller? Well, as she told me when I spoke to her, she'll just throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks.
1: When I think of innovation, I think of being the first to market with something, um, something that's unique, that... Starts a trend because anything that you do, if it's good, other people are going to do it. Um, They may not do it the same, but other people are going to try to emulate it. So that first person to do it is where you're being innovative. We were the first ones to put black characters on backpacks. We're not the only ones now and it's fine. But how do we now always stay a step ahead? And that's one of the biggest challenges because you have to bring in more people to come up with other ideas. Because you know, at some point, I'm going to come. I'm going to run out of ideas. <laughs> I'm not going to keep coming up with them. And I listen to the needs of my consumers and how can we stay true to our brand and then introduce something else.
4: It's funny that. When I ask entrepreneurs whether they're worried they're going to run out of ideas one day, I always receive a very stern no. But you're telling me that your future in the company is not necessarily on the creative side. You've come to terms with the fact that you may need to to hire people to come up with innovative ideas.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I'm... I'm 48, right? So I'm 48 years old. You know, you have your target consumer, the person that buys your product, but you have the consumer that uses your product. The consumer that uses my product is elementary school to high school. So they're ages six to 15, 16. And the product came, the idea came from my son, who at the time was eight years old. He's now 11. He doesn't think like an eight year old anymore. He doesn't necessarily some of the ideas that he comes up with probably don't really work for your average eight year old. But at the same time, he doesn't work and come up with ideas that make sense to like my nephews who are 15 and 17. So we do a lot of market research. Like we have like high school kids that we know that we will sit around and talk to them and say, OK, this is what we're thinking. And these are the ideas that we're coming up with. And we'll do like a whole brainstorming session because what do you want? Not what do I want you to have? What do you want? What do you as a 17 year old teenager want to have? What do you think makes sense? That's how we got the pencil cases because 17 year olds were like, yeah, I carry all these pencils. I don't have anywhere to use them. But 17 year old girls were saying, I can put my lipstick in them. (laughs) Things that like we never thought of. And so then, when we're posting them on social media, yeah, we post them as pencil cases with pencils. But then we post them with lipstick on them. With you know, we had a customer that we sell masks, our, our masks that have characters. She was putting the mask in those so that the kids could have multiple masks with them. And she was putting them in the pencil cases. We posted that and people found a different usage occasion. So then they start buying more pencil cases. So we're listening to people that are using those products. And I wouldn't come up with that because I am one of those people that hasn't really left the house that much when it's during the pandemic. So I'm not necessarily going anywhere with a mask where I know I need that. I don't wear makeup. So I don't think about wearing lipstick. And using my pencil cases for lipstick. So that's part of the innovation is how do you meet the needs of your customer where they are.
4: So this sounds like talking to people gives you ideas of ways you can treat your product or different ways you can advertise your product. Exactly. Do you hope that during this market research, someone's going to give you an idea for the next big product?
1: Always. I'm always thinking of the next big product, but I think that the next big product will happen when we don't expect it to happen. Just like even with the mask, Um, you know, my husband just randomly said one day we should put the characters on some masks, and we made masks that were, that fit kids. Not a lot of people have masks that come in sizes that literally are designed to fit children. So by doing that, it, Taught, it gave us the understanding of, of the strength of our brand and the strength of the characters. But sometimes we throw it at the wall. What sticks? What sticks? We had this idea of these athletics sleeves that we thought were just going to be a huge hit. They tanked like so much so that if you buy a, a mask, you get one free. <laughs> like we have this inventory that we're just sitting on.
4: Do you need those failures to innovate overall? Or do you see a future where you'll sort of bolster up your market research and creative process and product development so things like that don't happen?
1: Well, I think there's no way to know what consumers want and what consumers need if you want to be innovative. Because otherwise, you're just doing what other people are doing. Because you know customers are buying XYZ because they're buying it from somebody else. Well, if you're just selling the same thing with the different um, branding or whatever on it, you're not innovative. You're just copying what someone else is doing. So you kind of have to throw things out there and see what sticks. Um, Especially, you know, we're a bag company and first and foremost, that's, you know, we're a company with bags, with characters what we're finding is that our customers want to see our characters on different things other than our bags. But what do they need them on? My 11-year-old, he is adamant we have to do AirPod cases. And we're trying to get him to understand all kids don't have AirPod cases. <laughs> all, you know, kids your age don't always have AirPods. And he is adamant about AirPod cases.
4: A lot of what you've talked about is just introducing new products to your line. It it sounds like the real innovation in your company was at the beginning with the ideas of representing people of color on items.
1: Right. The innovation are our characters. That's what the innovation is. Our characters are very unique. So um, there's like a running joke that um, all black people look alike. You know, people have said that, you know, people mix black people up because, quote unquote, all black people look alike. Well, we have found that with our 10 characters, everybody knows somebody that looks like one of those 10 characters. It's like the craziest thing. So the characters are very unique, but they all have different characteristics because they were designed from real people that are relatable to people that you know. So how do we expand beyond that? I don't know that we can be innovative again beyond the characters themselves because it wasn't the backpacks, it was the characters.
4: So in that case, you've done innovating, you don't need to bother anymore.
1: We don't, but I think we need to, you know, how do we continue to expand? How do we continue to grow? Because at some point we get stagnant, you know, What can we do different and unique with the characters is what matters. It may not necessarily be innovative, but it could be groundbreaking, I guess.
4: Groundbreaking in what way?
1: So one of the things that we wanted to do for a while, we've always said it, was to bring the characters to life. We want them in animation. It's been a long time since there has been... A family or a cartoon show that showed people of color. There hasn't been one for a while. Kids don't see themselves on television. You know, kids, kids that are watching cartoons aren't seeing themselves. So that's one of the things that we've always wanted to do. We just haven't been in a position where we knew someone that could make it happen.
4: Backpack to TV show is a big leap do you think there's some danger that you could lose focus?
1: No, because I think it would just, it's a whole different channel. It doesn't, um, and if anything, it would grow our brand. Because if you think about the characters that are on backpacks right now, outside of ours, they're all television characters. They're all animated characters. And that's where it would go. I think there's a a need to constantly stay ahead of the competition. So it's not necessarily being innovative within your space as much as within your category. Like, how do you stay ahead of the next person? So we were allowing ourselves to expand beyond in order to stay one step ahead of the competition.
3: You're listening to Making It Work, coming up...
5: Here at a small business, if there's something wrong or we have an idea how to improve something, it takes a day or even sometimes a matter of minutes to be like, nope, this is how we're gonna do it for now on, let's try it out, see
2: how it goes. And I think that is innovation. I don't feel pressure to innovate because we're constantly innovating. It's like, yeah, I'm driving a car and you feel like, God, you, do you feel like you really need wheels? It's, it's just there. Innovation is not something that is a bolt on. It's a part of business.
4: I think we've learned that you don't need to change the world to be an innovator. If I understood them correctly, Kat and Casey from part one are more about keeping on moving than anything. That's how they innovate. Of course, that doesn't mean that they're not looking for that billion dollar idea along the way. Our next entrepreneur believes innovation to entrepreneurship is like milk to cookies, as long as those cookies are gluten, grain and dairy free. Nick Hawks is the co-founder of Paleo Treats, founded in San Diego 12 years ago. If you hadn't guessed, they're all about making sweet treats that are paleo-friendly. Nick may not be too fond of the word innovation, but the concept, he feels, goes hand-in-hand hand with entrepreneurship.
2: It's almost uh, like slimy saying that word. Innovation has been used so much. But innovation as an entrepreneur, that, that's part of what you do. I mean, that's, it's like, how, how important are your lungs to breathing? Um, they're, they're pretty important. They're, they're a part of the whole thing. And that innovation is a, as an entrepreneur, is in a small business, it's, it's just something you have to do. And, you know, we've kind of made it into this magical, mystical, super powerful thing, but it's as important to, to entrepreneurship as wheels are to a car is you're always figuring out new and better ways to do things. If you're, I, I think if you're a good entrepreneur, you're always super curious about the world and you want to do better and better and better. And whether that's sell more cookies or sell better cookies or find a new product or figure out a new business process or hire a new employee. I mean, every time we hire a new employee, the, the process changes a little bit. It's like, oh, how what did we do last time that didn't work? What could we try this time that might work better? And so it's 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 part of being in business. It's not something that for me, it's not something to say, like, oh my God, we're so innovative or that company is so innovative. It's you're either innovative or you're out of business. It's it's a part of being in it. And so Innovation in general is just part of of what we do kind of on a daily basis. So it might be hey, how do we display these products? How do we change the signage on, on the outside of the store? How do we do a new marketing thing? How do we use Facebook or Instagram to do something differently? We just tried this thing the other day where we put a dance video on Instagram and it worked better than anyone could have imagined. And so it's this kind of accidental thing where we're always trying new stuff and then whatever works, double down on it and whatever doesn't, you know maybe try it again if you thought it should work doesn't work the second time, move on.
4: I think you're right about innovation becoming this big deal. Do you think that some entrepreneurs are put off because they feel like they have to change the world? I mean, it almost sounds like that, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, maybe they're put off by that feeling. But if you're put off by that feeling, then you're probably not cut out to be an entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur and you're put off by the idea of having to change the world or having to innovate, then it's it's probably not the right path for you. And You know the mean way of saying it—the way that that the mean people in my life would say it—is that the world needs ditch diggers. But that's not the right way to say it. And the right way to say it is that the world needs a a wide variety of people to all do the things they're good at, and they like to do, and they want to do. And so, over the past ten years, there's been this enormous pressure for a lot of people to become entrepreneurs, and we've kind of forced people into doing this thing that is really challenging, really scary, really hard to do hard to get it right. And it's got these big consequences. If you don't get it right, you can go bankrupt. Um, you can kind of lose all the stuff that you've worked for maybe your whole life. And so I think one of the the messages to put out is that if this thing, whatever this product, the service, this business kind of calls to you and you feel like you can't live your life without doing it or without being in business, then you should be doing it. If you're not sure, wait, keep your, keep your day job, do your thing until, you know, the, The course of action to you is is pretty clear what to do. It's kind
4: of understandable, people waiting for this overwhelming sense of purpose, because the narrative is, is kind of dominated by people like Elon Musk, isn't it? It's not dominated by Harry, the butcher around the corner.
2: In the sense of domination. You know the the people who are going to dominate are the, the most intense, the most gifted, the hardest working. Like those people are going to they're going to win the whole game, and those are the people we're going to hear about. That doesn't mean at the, at the same time that doesn't mean that you have to be as driven as smart as, I mean, if there if there's a dude who's innovative, it's Elon Musk as innovative as him. Um, but you you just have to know that in your heart or your spirit or whatever you want to call it that you need to do whatever this thing is. That you're doing. And it can seem silly, like selling cookies can seem super silly. But the challenge for me isn't in selling cookies, it's in running this business that has, you know, pretty low volumes, pretty low margins, um, is super niche, like that's a hard job to do. And and God knows I love hard things. So that just makes it really exciting all the time. You don't feel this pressure to to innovate? I don't feel pressure to innovate because we're constantly innovating. It's like, yeah, I'm driving a car, and you feel like God. You do you feel like you really need wheels? It's like the wheels are on the car, man. That's how I'm going down the highway at 60 miles an hour. It's it's just there. It, it's not um, innovation is not something that is a bolt on. It's a part of business.
4: We've been hit by a massive global health crisis that has meant a lot of small businesses who didn't innovate have had to shut their doors. Does that scare you at all? Does it make you think about innovation in a different way?
2: This health crisis that has hit the world has has not... No, I, I can't say that COVID-19 or this health crisis has, has scared me personally at all. It, it looked like this thing that's like, hey, here comes a big challenge, but... And I've been dealing with big challenges the whole time, and this is just one more. And if there's anything I've learned... Is that the bigger the challenge, the bigger the opportunity. And it's on you as the business owner, as the human to figure out where that opportunity is. And if you sit down and hunker down and do nothing, that's that's one reaction. And sometimes that's the right reaction. But usually the right reaction is to get your head up, to look around, to look for where you need to be moving and to get there and to do everything you can to, to do the best you can. And at the end of the day, like that is, the for me, that's the right answer for everything is... You do the best work you can. You do the most intense work you can. You grab onto joy and creativity and awesomeness as tightly as you can, and you just go for it. And whatever's going on on the outside doesn't matter. You know, meteorite comes and smashes the earth to bits. Like you just do the best you can to survive. A huge pandemic comes and changes the way the world works. You do the best you can to, to survive and thrive and make the world a better place. And if you do that, then you go to bed every night knowing that you did everything you could. And that's what's important.
4: Nick's desire to be the best version of himself goes further than his bottom line. It acknowledges that as a small business owner, the way you innovate has a knock-on effect on those around you. For Nick, that's his wife and his dog. For our next entrepreneur, it's his whole workforce. Paul Pallas is CEO of Swisco, a hardware supplier based out of Philadelphia. When his father and uncle handed him the reins in 2018, he knew exactly where he wanted to innovate. Since he'd already overhauled the technical side of the company, he turned his attention to the Swissco staff and their well-being, even if it did raise the eyebrows of the more traditional former owners.
5: Innovation for Swissco could simply be a new feature on our website, but I find some of our best innovations are internal, something that improves the life of our staff something that makes their job easier or more enjoyable and those are my favorite types of innovation just a a new way of packing or shipping something or a new way of preparing some products or receiving products a new way of handling different types of customer inquiries maybe a new piece of software that allows our team to work more efficiently together those are some of the most important innovations because a happy staff leads to happy customers.
4: In the world of entrepreneurship, is innovation a bit of an overused term? You know,
5: I would like to continue calling it innovation because my CFO came from the corporate world to a small business, and he's enjoying this type of business much more in the corporate world. If you wanted to make a change to the internal workings of a corporation, it is a lot of work and it normally just doesn't really happen. Here at a small business, if there's something wrong or we have an idea how to improve something, it takes a day or even sometimes a matter of minutes to be like, nope, this is how we're going to do it for now on. Let's try it out, see how it goes. And I think that is innovation because a large corporation can't do that. And that is the um that is a benefit of a small company. And that's our our big advantage over a large corporation. So doing these small improvements throughout the company, even though they're small, I do believe it is still
4: considered an innovation. How have you innovated to make the lives of your staff easier? So
5: we have
4: weekly meetings with what we
5: call company culture meetings, me and a couple other staff members. And we talk about how can we improve the life of the staff here? And this could be just different activities to get to know each other, different activities to get out of your daily routine. And um, some examples of that uh, to get out of your daily routine is that we provide meditation we provide stretching. We provide uh, a little bit of light yoga. The pandemic has made this really hard, though. When the pandemic hit, we sent most of our staff home who can work from home, and we no longer had in-person meetings. And company culture kind of dropped Now we have staff that have never met each other because when we hire people, they uh, stay at home and never come into the office and never meet everybody. So we work hard on new ways of virtually meeting each other now. And that is the type of culture we want here. And then activities such as meditation and stretching and yoga, when the pandemic is over, we're absolutely going to bring that back. And it is a nice way to just release stress and tension and it's a nice way to
4: unplug would innovation have meant something different to your father and uncle than it means to you yeah i think that's a good question i the problem with my father and uncle's business
5: is that they never had time to innovate or even consider innovating they were just so busy putting out fires all day every day so yeah, innovation happened once in a while. Maybe they bought a new piece of machinery that allowed them to do a new type of repair. And that was the type of innovations they did. And, you know, those are good innovations, except that they just weren't focused on the right innovations that they weren't they weren't ever concerned with the culture of their work. Place they weren't concerned with the staff happiness.
4: Their innovations only brought in more revenue. I suppose the idea of workplace culture would have been a bit of an alien concept, although of course it would have existed. Yeah, and it was not a nice culture. It was a very a lot
5: of heated arguments, a lot of yelling, a lot of cursing, a lot of uh, inappropriate. In it was. an interesting place for a 12 year old to grow up. I think I learned a lot of what I didn't want a company to be like. And I worked very hard on not replicating anything of that old business.
4: I think I'm making it sound like your father and uncle started the business in like Victorian times or something. (laughs) No, but it was. It was
5: a very different time in the world at the when they were running a business, this is, you know, the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And um, it was very gritty is a good word to put it. It was, a, it was a very gritty business.
4: Well, paving the way for you to become CEO, I guess, is the ultimate innovation.
5: No, absolutely. You know, I, I am so happy that they took a gamble on me and they allowed me a corner of their warehouse to like, all right, give this a shot. Go for it. You know that was innovation. I that definitely I, I will. I, I am so thankful that they took a chance on me, and uh, it definitely
4: paid off. I'm taking a wild shot in the dark here and saying that your father and uncle didn't do meditation.
5: <laughs> no, they never even thought about doing meditation before. The old Swiss go, This would have been so foreign, just so. Confusing. <laughs> and, they were, and, you know, my father and uncle still come in to the office every once in a while and they see what we're doing here with these uh, meditation meetings. And it, it's just so, it's so foreign to how many confusing. Um, they don't partake. They probably think you're starting a cult. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit.
3: Coming up next time. When I first started making coats, I really thought it was as simple as
0: this is how much the good. Cost make, and then you just add on, you know, some random value for your profit margin $10, $20, whatever. So, for e commerce, one of my mentors said that you want to keep your margins in e commerce between 70 to 80 percent because Shopify takes margin, then there's shipping fees.
1: We always have customers that will say, well, XYZ company is offering free shipping. If they're offering you free shipping, you're paying too much for the product. There's no such thing as free shipping.
3: That's it for this episode of Making It Work. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. That way you'll know right away when we upload the next episode. And remember, you can tell us what you think of Making It Work by leaving a comment on your favorite podcast platform or by sending an email to makingitwork@fedex.com. Our inbox is ready and waiting, thanks to our entrepreneurs, Casey Kelly, Nick Hawks, Kat Simardia, and Paul Palace. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Margrie, written by Tom Scallon, and edited by Lars Blockenberg, with creative direction from Jeroen von Konigshoven. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created this song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub in Memphis, Tennessee. This show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin.